You're traveling through another podcast. A podcast not only of reviewing and discussing, but of discovery. A journey into a wondrous show whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the RSS feed up ahead. Your next stop, Anthology. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Anthology. Um, presented by obsessiveviewer.com. Ordinarily, Anthology is a uh, one man's es- <laughs> uh, one man's exploration of the Twilight Zone as a first time viewer, along with some bonus episodes reviewing modern uh, anthology science fiction shows such as Black Mirror and Dimension Four Hundred Four on Hulu. Uh, but this episode is kind of special. It's kind of a uh, my special episode before the start of se- uh, start of season two of anthology. Um, this is a panel that I hosted at Indiana Comic Con on April fifteenth. Um, I kind of on a whim uh, submitted a panel idea or panel suggestion to Comic Con um, uh, several months back. Uh, the panel idea was for hosting a solo podcast. Uh, what it takes. What the trials and tribulations are, um, what, you know, um, just the trials and tribulations of hosting a solo podcast. Um, so I went ahead and hosted it and, uh, it was a blast. I, I had a really good turnout. There was something like 20, 25 people there. Um, they asked a ton of great questions. And, uh, as soon as I got into it, I was just, you know, um, uh, I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be, but it was, it was a blast. Um, I did notice a couple of things. One, I don't think I said my name at all throughout the whole, uh, the whole thing. <laughs> um, and, uh, two is I, I completely forgotten an anecdote about something, um, on it, but I went ahead and I did record it. So I'm going to throw it out there on the feed. If anyone wants to hear me talk about podcasting, um, and, and about hosting a solo podcast, maybe get some like kind of behind the scenes look at, at what goes on with anthology and how it's, how it's done and everything. I figured I'd throw it out there for anyone that wants to listen. Um, and I made the very, um, <laughs> I made the very conscious decision to record this after recording the first episode of season two of anthology. So if you are waiting for season two to start, you only have a couple of days to wait. I'm going to post that, uh, here at the end of the week here and, uh, get that, get that up for you guys and, and we can continue anthology. And I'll also be starting my bonus review series of, uh, Hulu's, uh, dimension 404 from the people at rocket jump. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. I can't wait to get back into the swing of things. And I really appreciate your, your guys' patience as I kind of, uh, took a little bit of a longer hiatus than I, than I, uh, expected to work got a little crazy, but, but I'm back and, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy. So here's my panel from Indiana Comic Con 2017 on how to host a solo podcast or hosting a solo podcast. Um, and yeah, and if you're listening to this and, and if you were at the panel or if you were at Comic Con or you, we met there, um, thank you so much for, for coming and, uh, hope you, hope you enjoyed it. Um, so without further ado, here is my panel from Indiana Comic Con. Hey guys. I, whoa, wow, that's loud. I probably should have tested that. 
<laughs> Welcome to uh, hosting a solo podcast, uh, my panel here at Indiana Comic Con. Um, my name is Matt. I have hosted podcasts since uh, June 2013. Um, I had a uh, me and my friend uh, Tiny, who's right over there, we uh, started the Obsessive Viewer, uh, which currently, as of today, we just released our 206th episode, and uh, totaling about 305 hours of audio, um, which uh, is kind of kind of crazy to me. Um, but also in August of 2015, I started a solo podcast where it was just me. Um, hosting a podcast called Anthology, which is a uh, solo side project podcast where I review every episode of The Twilight Zone, one episode at a time, and uh, I'm reviewing them as a first-time viewer of The Twilight Zone. I've never seen The Twilight Zone uh, before in my life, so I'm kind of going through it for the first time. And so, uh, up to date, like, as of today, I have uh, 46 episodes of Anthology out there at anthologypod.com. Uh, 33 main episodes plus 13 bonus episodes, totaling about 41 hours of, of audio content. That's just me on the microphone. So it's kind of uh, it's a little it's a little uh, hard to imagine that I actually did that because I, I never thought that I would do like a solo podcast. I just kind of had this idea and I uh, had a job where I didn't really have to do anything, so I just spent that time kind of researching and, and starting a new a new podcast on my own. Um, so in a lot of people, the, kind of the reason why I thought that this would be a good idea for a panel here at Comic-Con is that a lot of people, when I tell them that I have a solo podcast, they say, well, I could never do that because that it would just be kind of crazy to be just the only person on a podcast talking to the world because um, they would have no one to bounce off of. And Honestly, like it's not really been my experience that it's that it's hard to actually make the podcast. So I kind of wanted to give like my I wouldn't say expertise because I'm still not like uh, to you know I'm still I mean I'm still learning. It's it's podcasting as a hobby is something that's kind of uh, it's something that you learn as you go, and it's kind of what you make and the effort you put into it and what you put into it is is kind of a reflection of what the finished product is. It's kind of your own your own thing. It's not a defined thing. So, um, so yeah. So, anyway, thank you guys for coming to, to the panel here. I mean, I'm kind of blown away by the turnout. This is awesome. Um, so, how many people here in the audience, how many of you guys have a podcast or been on a podcast? Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. And uh, how many of you have, like, a solo podcast or have thoughts about starting a solo podcast? Perfect. Great. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that's that's fantastic. And how many of you just listen to podcasts? Awesome. Nice. And how many of you are tired of raising your hands and everything? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So um, yeah, so one of the main things that I have when, whenever someone asks me about uh, what it takes to start a solo podcast is that it's they can't imagine like talking by themselves and everything. And I think that there's kind of a... A misconception, or, or this maybe not misconception, but maybe this idea that you have to script out everything. It needs to be perfectly scripted out, um, word for word. You need to know, like, okay, you need to know what you're going to say when. When, and obviously, before I get into the nitty gritty of it, like your mileage may vary. So you know, different strokes, people, uh, different things work for different people. But when you go through. Uh, basically taking on the complete production of a podcast or any kind of venture like that, it's it's what you want out of it. So when I started out doing it, I kind of 
thought, okay, well, I don't know if I can do just holding down a show by myself without like Tiny or or any anyone else on the on the podcast to kind of play off of. Um, so I, I had my nerves too, but once I started, it just it kind of flowed naturally. It was kind of a fun a fun activity that I uh, was in another way to kind of stretch my creative. Uh, ways and it also helped me uh, learn about the Twilight Zone and how awesome it is. Um, so, with one thing, so some tips about um, uh, getting over that fear of not knowing if you can handle the solo podcast or handle being on the microphone by yourself. Like one of the things that I did was I basically created, I recorded one uh, pilot episode that was just completely for like my peers or, or like I uh, ran it through some other podcast friends, had them give me notes on it. Um, that episode never aired. It was never posted on online or anything. Um, I just needed to get some feedback on how it was and if I could, because I had no idea if I could actually do it or anything. Um, so that's that's one way that you can kind of get a feel for it. And a lot of people are worried that they'll have like a... Uh, They'll have that. They'll have moments where they will just run out of things to say, or like, what happens if it's just dead air? And it's like, well, with my in my perspective on a podcast, like you control the entire production of it. So, like, if I fumble on it, um, or if I or if I just completely space out or anything, that stuff I can just cut out. It's not a big deal, but. Uh, yeah, and it's just, I feel like a lot of people just have fears about how the podcast will, will go. And then they'll overwrite out notes and create just these, at least what I, what I experienced was that I was finding in the early days that I would write down detailed notes about, about each section of the podcast, each segment and everything. And I felt like that was one way of me postponing the part I was most nervous about. Uh, by over overdoing the uh, the planning of it, um, and another thing was I I kind of didn't I I picked the I picked the Twilight Zone because it was a show that I wasn't familiar with. I knew it had a huge following, and I just thought, okay, well maybe I can give myself an excuse to watch it. Um, that is one way that I don't necessarily recommend people going, or I mean not necessarily not recommend people going, but um, there are two options with picking a topic. You can pick either a topic that you're very well versed in, and that can help alleviate the fears of, of, of posting something or commenting on something that you're, um, it can give you more confidence on the mic, I should say. Um, but if you pick something new, that kind of puts more pressure on you. Um, so I kind of didn't think that through when I picked it, but um, but it's become something that's really fun for me. I'm learning a lot about the show and learning a lot about the the uh, trivia behind it. It's not like I'm just binge watching the Twilight Zone and, and commenting on researching each episode, and then it's opening me up to other types of shows. Like I did bonus episodes about Black Mirror, since it's also a sci-fi anthology show. And uh, I'm also going to be doing uh, bonus reviews for Hulu's Dimension 404. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But um, that's one of the things that I really love about doing a solo podcast is that it's it's opening me up to these different things and these different um, 
media, different types of media that I wouldn't necessarily know about. And uh, in terms of picking a topic, I, I know that I had, when I picked the Twilight Zone or when I had the idea of the Twilight Zone, I started Googling other Twilight Zone podcasts because obviously I want to see if what all is out there, um, how much better they are than I am, basically. <laughs> um, and I kind of got this sense that, okay, well, they already have, like, the Twilight Poem. That's already, like, a hugely successful podcast, and they're clearly more knowledgeable about the show than I am. Uh, they clearly have a bigger following than I probably will throughout the life of the of anthology. But then I kind of thought, like, well, you know, that's great. That's That's great for them and everything. But I kind of lost sight of the fact that podcasting as a hobby is something that is more of a reflection of your personality and, and who you are. Like, I get the sense that, and maybe, this is, I don't know, maybe it's just what people, from my perspective, podcasting is uh, something that people listen to for the personalities of the hosts. And I like to think that I attract people that are, you know, that like my personality, and they aren't necessarily too uh, too concerned about. Well, maybe not too concerned about the content, but I like the idea of people putting me in their ears for hours every week and uh, listening to me and feeling like they get to know me. And I, I'll get messages on like Facebook and and tweets and everything saying like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I thought about. Uh, I saw this. I saw this in the news and thought about this episode when you said this." And I'm just like, "Oh, wow, this." This dude's in in New Mexico. That's nuts. <laughs> um, which is another kind of stumbling block with with starting a uh, solo podcast is you don't have like the the co-host to to kind of uh, put put some workload on. Like you don't have like okay, well we got this tweet or we got this email, this very well thought it thought out email. Um, I can't, like, say, like, well, okay, if I'm super busy at work, I can't be like, okay, well, co-host, why don't you, you know, just, like, send them a message, say, like, hey, yeah, we'll read this on the next one, um, or respond to a tweet, or keep up with social media. It's kind of the bulk of all the all the work is on you, and it's kind of, that can put a lot of pressure on yourself there, but, um, but like, different things work. If, if you're... Um, if you're sticking to a schedule, if you're the type of person that it, that works well with adhering to a schedule, it's it's really great to kind of keep track of, of what everything is. It's kind of uh, a way to tailor the podcast and, and everything to to yourself and to your own personalities um, and what works for you. Sorry, and what works for you. Um, yeah, so that's kind of in a roundabout right way. That's that's a lot of uh, a lot of information, I'm sure, but. Another thing about podcasts that I, like a solo podcast, one of the big trials that I had with starting Anthology was that uh, I, like, if I got, like, a negative review or a negative feedback, um, it was a lot easier to take that a little more personally, just because Anthology is my my thing. Like, it's completely 100% me that I'm putting it in there. Um, so I got like a pretty negative review, and I was like, "Oh man, this is uh, this this is kind of this is kind of brutal." So it's it's easy to that's like another tip is to you know not learn not to take it personally and, and use the feedback to to really uh, create something that that works. But you can you can't really uh, please everyone. Um, 
So yeah, so does anyone have any questions for anyone? Anything about podcasts? How do you go about getting a, starting a fan base? I mean, if you're going to start your own project, obviously you're not going to have listeners immediately. Yeah, okay, yeah, starting a fan base. That's And that's the interesting thing about starting a podcast that's just you, because you don't, like... Obviously, if I had, I was working on Obsessive Viewer, my main podcast, for a couple years before starting um, Anthology, and I got some listeners that would that would gravitate over to the, uh, my Anthology podcast. But there's also I couldn't depend on that fan base gravitating toward that um, because I don't know how many of them are annoyed by my voice or anything. But I did find that a lot of people were latching on to anthology because it was a niche topic. Like, the Twilight Zone is very specific. The Obsessive Viewer, that's a weekly movie and TV podcast that's kind of broad and everything. Um, but with anthology, this is focused on one thing. People that are seeking out... People that listen to podcasts and are seeking out podcasts about specific topics, they'll find mine instead of typing in, like, oh, a movie or TV podcast. Um, so that's one way that you can kind of... Uh, tailor how you pick a topic is that you can kind of pick something that's sort of um, that's that's sort of a niche topic. It doesn't necessarily need to be something you're very knowledgeable about or very um, well versed in, or it can be something you know a lot about, whatever your comfort level level is. But if it's something that's specific to to something or a specific fan base, that fan base will find any media that is. Uh, that is uh, searching for it, and if you pick something that's, if you pick something like I did with the Twilight Zone, something you don't know about, um, that you kind of want to learn more about, um, that comes with its own challenges. But I would have to recommend that you would have to confirm and make sure that you know the creator's name correctly, because <laughs> uh, there was an instant, instance with the uh, first episode of my podcast where I mispronounced uh, Rob Sterling's name a couple times and. It was not a good start to anthology, and uh, and yeah, but that, it, when you have hiccups like that and you have things like that, I've at least noticed from my personality type and the way I react to it is I, I kind of go full nuclear reaction thinking like, oh my god, this is going to be terrible, I need to redo this, or I need to fix this, or... Uh, it can it can tie up the production of the podcast by by being in my own head about it. But at the end of the day, it's still it's still a learning exercise. It's still something that you're still learning to do, and it's still something that's uh, that grows with you. Uh, yeah, your question. So you uh, spoke spoke uh, briefly about writing mm. writing all your episodes out beforehand, make sure you yeah. have the content ready. Um, I've been doing that myself, and mm-hmm. I have a lot written. But the more I look over it, the more I'm like, well, it would be better to just kind of have a kind of flow to it instead of just kind of read everything out. Sure. How do you get over trying to write everything out and just being more personal? Sure. So uh, so his question was, was how to get over the urge to write everything out. Or if you're in a habit of planning a podcast where you're where you're doing it one way and then and you want to gravitate to a more efficient way. Um, that's one of the things, like if you have it all written out, it's like that can be great and helpful because you have everything, all the information there, but it can also, at least in my head, it could feel like it could feel like you're reading from a paper. But uh, what I did and what I found with anthology is that each each episode I had kind of some more more bullet points and more information kind of there, but as I got into the routine, um, routine of doing it, I, 
I somewhat, somewhat, uh, uh, not stupidly, but some, somewhat uh, didn't really think this through. Uh, I made it a weekly podcast, which is a lot of pressure on me to do with, uh, with Obsessive Viewer also being a weekly podcast. Also, me not getting paid for any of it, so I have a full-time job and I have all that stuff. Uh, but what I found was that as I would go, each episode I would have kind of fewer notes and more, not necessarily just bullet points, like for me I would have like statements written out that I would basically use as launching points for, for topics. I would, um, with mine, I, like I don't know specifically what your, what your podcast is, but with mine I would have, I would basically watch the Twilight Zone episode that I was reviewing and uh, I would watch it once, take some, take some kind of cold viewing notes for the first viewing and then I would watch it again. If there was a commentary, I'd watch that and put, make notes and everything there. And then I would kind of, I would kind of put those notes together in kind of a way that would be not necessarily scene by scene, but just like kind of topic by topic. Like, like okay, this this guy referenced this, has said this line of dialogue that comes back into play later in the episode. We'll get to that in a moment. But I just want to say, like when he said this the first time I viewed it, I thought of it as as. A reference to this, or I expected it to go this way or that way. Um, I don't, I don't like that's not verbatim from the podcast. It's, it's just you know, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's something that you kind of grow with as you grow it, and that's one of the big stumbling blocks with hosting a solo podcast is that if you if you are in a routine or if you think that you're doing something that isn't necessarily working for you, um, you may get the feeling that that it's the way that it's supposed to be done but it's there's no way that it's supposed to be done so if it's something that you that you're knowledgeable about i would i would recommend like uh just kind of weaning yourself off of writing very thorough notes and just kind of put uh like not bullet points but just statements like just a, a full sentence and then like practice um or try try to get in the habit of of like you can read the full statement on on the on the recording, and then just kind of go from there as if you're in this. Like I don't know how this is going to sound, but it's almost like you're you're having a conversation with yourself, which is kind of what the whole podcast solo podcasting is essentially. Um, but it's that, that way you can say that statement, you see that it's written there, and then in your head you can kind of fill in more information and. and uh, and re- not repeat, but you can uh, follow up on that statement and kind of, I don't know, in my head it kind of triggers it as like, oh, I'm kind of responding to a statement that's on that's right in front of me and it kind of feels a little bit more natural there. Um, yeah, uh, any other questions? Yeah, what equipment do you use? Oh, that's a great question, yeah. Uh, so equipment that I use, it's, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of a funny story, really. Um, with Obsessive Viewer, we have a mixer. So I use an Alesis Multimix 8. It's just a, a board that, uh, that I plug in, my, plug in my microphone, and then I plug in my H2N to the output and record it that way directly into it. Um, I, I got that equipment because my car broke down like three years ago and I thought it was going to be like a whole bunch more money so I kind of took like a loan out from my credit union it ended up being like a hundred bucks I just used the rest on um, on podcast equipment but um, in terms of um, podcast equipment and stuff like there are some tricks you can use to um, help out sound in post-production um, a lot of the podcasts that 
really my routine for, for uh, editing the podcast and everything is I record it that way. So it kind of comes through sounding pretty good. Um, but you can also use like uh, like a USB microphone that plugs into the plugs into a laptop and use Audacity. Um, that's the program I use to to record when I'm recording into a laptop. Really great program, easy to use, and uh, really straightforward. Um, and it's also free, which is great. So, um, but with that, it's. Like there's kind of some steps that I that I do for post production. So I'll record the entire episode, and then before I before I touch it, before I edit it, make any cuts or anything, I will um, I will take a, a section of the podcast, like at the beginning, that's that's silent. Um, I'll I'll record it that way. I'll just record just ambient sounds um, in the room for about 10 seconds and then I'll use noise removal in audacity and that will remove the noise that like any background noise or room noise there. Um, and then I'll like normalize the audio and then I'll export it and put it into the program that I use to edit, which I use studio one, which I got for a Christmas present. Um, a few years ago, it's, it's great. We were using GarageBand for a long time, and it kept crashing, which was uh, terrible for me. But Audacity is pretty good with, with uh, editing as well. But I always that's kind of the steps, the processes that I use. Is I, I use the board with a with a with a XLR microphone going into it. This is all stuff that you can find at, at Guitar City or. Uh, is Guitar City? Is that the name of the place? Guitar Center. There we go. Thank you, guys. Um, Guitar Center um, or Amazon, but um, but yeah, and it's it's uh, Guitar City. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's uh, I mean it's it's an investment, and it's 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 an investment. And it's for something that's you're not at least from my perspective, you're not going to make like a lot of money off of it. Uh, if anyone has any tips on making money off of it, you know, let me know. But um, um, <laughs> but it's something that's you know if you want it to sound good you can you can you know buy some equipment that would do it. But if you just have like a simple USB microphone or something, when we started Obsessive Viewer, we were, we were using um, Rock Band microphones uh, from the Rock Band game that we plugged into a computer, and uh, we actually had they were so sensitive that we had to we had like extra long USB cords. Um, for it, so we were each on the other side of the room, and we had a uh, we didn't have mic stands like this. We just had shoes that we put it in, um, <laughs> and uh, we had to like be very very careful because anytime we anytime we moved the mic or anytime we like touched it or anything, it would just have like feedback and it would be terrible. Um, but with with a good post production thing, I think those episodes sound pretty good for especially starting out. Um, like I said, noise removal is kind of a godsend, and uh, also normalizing is, is is really good. Especially when I used to I used to um, like levelate the audio. There's a program called Levelator that you basically put in the audio file, and it just levels out the the sound waves uh, to be so it's not like very loud or very low or you know everything like that. Um, and then that's great. So I used to do that like after I edited it, and then I got kind of paranoid because like when when I edit, I have to cut a lot because there's a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, this 
actor in the Twilight Zone was really great, and he was also in this, and then and then I'll accidentally say something stupid, and then I'll have to repeat it, and then I just have to cut it, cut around it, and everything. So I got really nervous that if I'm leveling the audio there, is it going to come through as as choppy or, or weird because it's because it's not like the full uninterrupted audio. So what I've been doing is I've been normalizing it, leveling it, and uh, putting it into the editing software. And then I also, the final part is I put a compressor effect on it, which is pretty much standard on any um, um, any editing software. I know that you can just control A, highlight all the audio on Audacity, and just put a compressor on it, and it's it makes it sound good. Um, and then I edit it, and then once the edits are in, I just export it. Um, yeah. And you and Beck? Yeah. Um, now, uh, are you ever going to think about that with your, with your podcast about having uh, guests or something like that? Uh, you know, having that second person, and if so, being a uh, one person podcast, how do you think that's going to be different? Uh, Different experience. Sure. So, do you mean do you mean like having a guest on, like a permanent co-host on? No, 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 like, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Like, like guest uh, episodes. Like, um, you know, I had so and so who was uh, Bible Stacks, uh, like shoe guy. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, and that's a great question. The, the question was if I would ever have uh, like guests on for episodes of the podcast, and I actually have a couple episodes where I've had a guest on, um, and it's it's been really really great because it's been kind of a nice break. So I had one episode where I basically reviewed. Um, uh, there was an episode of. Um, an anthology show that was pre the Twilight Zone. Um, the episode was called The Time Element. It was the first thing that um, Rod Serling wrote that he put the Twilight Zone name on. So CBS aired it on another show before they actually bought the pilot for The Twilight Zone. So what I did was I had my friend Tiny from Obsessive Viewer, I had him on um, Anthology as kind of a special episode in between seasons one and two of Anthology to kind of discuss that episode in particular. And then at the end of season one, I had a full um, episode where it's just a season one wrap-up of The Twilight Zone, which I had with my friend Brandon from um, another Twilight Zone podcast called um, – uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm spacing on it. Wow, why am I spacing on it? <laughs> and I'm on Facebook Live. I hope he's not watching it now. No, it's uh, – uh, oh, wow. I'm sorry. I did not sleep that much last night. Okay, no, it's... Oh, wow, this is so embarrassing. I'm so sorry, Brandon. Submitted for your approval. Why did I forget that? Submitted for your approval. I was a guest on his on season one, and we had a... Uh, uh, I basically had him on for an anthology to talk about season one of The Twilight Zone. And uh, that was really interesting because I had someone who was knowledgeable about The Twilight Zone and also submitted for your approval is a great podcast. He actually, he doesn't do a solo podcast about it, but he has a guest on every episode and it's a lot of like, he's got some like really cool guests. He has like uh, Graham, er- Graham Elwood, um, um, Ali Gertz from uh, the uh, Everything's Coming Up uh, podcast um, from The Simpsons. But anyway, um, it was really great to have someone to play off of, but Kind of at the end of the day, 
I kind of want to keep those guest episodes as like special, like after after season episodes or in between um, in between episode kind of things because the kind of main topic or the main point of the podcast is that I am a uh, I'm learning about the Twilight Zone for the first time and I think that's kind of what I'm making my audience like I think that's kind of what the audience wants to hear about. Um, but I like having other guests on, so I'm not like I've I've had people approach me to be on it, and so I'm trying to find like ways to to let them on. But um, they're kind of like special circumstances. But yeah, I've had guests on, and it's it's been great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you mentioned seasons, which kind of makes me think about uh, continuation. So how many episodes like per season is there for something like that? Like for your okay. Oh yeah, ten episode seasons would be great. <laughs> I have uh, since it's the Twilight Zone. My my uh, his question was how how length of se- how long the seasons would be. Um, since it's the Twilight Zone, each season is like thirty three episodes. Uh, since it's back in the sixties and they had super long seasons. Um, so I try to keep to that schedule. I'm currently like on hiatus between seasons one and two, but I do like to keep, and this is another kind of good tip, is that I do kind of like to build up episodes um, and then record like three in one sitting. So like I'll spend like a couple weeks making notes for the next three episodes, making sure they're polished and I have all the information and everything. And then I've had days where, maybe this is more reflective of my social life, I've had days where I just spend like a Sunday just in front of the mic recording for three hours and uh and and yeah so it kind of varies depending on the topic and depending on your uh ability to like your workload and how you can how you can do that you mentioned uh one one week was kind of like a lot to be asking for what time frame to have for something that's only like 30 minutes for like an hour oh yeah yeah. Um, do you mean like time frame for like timing of releasing episodes or time frame for runtime? For uh, well, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So a good time frame for releasing is based on your workload, but based based on like what you what you're comfortable with. You don't. You never really want to have yourself like under the gun to release episodes. Um, so it's, it depends on a lot of different factors. So like if you have. If you have a topic that you want to do 30 minutes on each each week, um, that's I mean that's a really that's actually a really great starting point. My my episodes run about 50 to 60 minutes um, because I do review um, the Twilight Zone and then um, I made the really smart decision to also do bonus reviews each episode of something related to that episode. So it's kind of doubling up a little bit, but it's it's a lot of fun, but um, it is also a lot of work, but. What I've also found with in terms of, of that is that you will get more, at least if, if you have experience with recording like a, a multi-person podcast uh, versus doing the solo podcast, um, you'll find that it's a lot easier, at least I have, it's a lot easier to edit your solo podcast because you're not worrying about like clipping people's conversations over or cutting out things like that. Like with me, you like with me after maybe a handful of anthology episodes, I just basically got into the habit of not flipping out whenever I fumbled something or not like not like getting getting nervous when I fumbled something on the mic. 
because I would know, okay, well, this is, I'd mentally think like, okay, this is the point that I edited. This is where I can pick it back up. And so you get, you get a better sense of what you, what you are there. Um, and as far as like run times for episodes, like I said, mine are about 50 to 60 minutes. And I know some people might think, oh, that's maybe not like, I don't think I can talk that long, or I'm I'm nervous that I'd run out of steam. Um, you kind of get a handle for what you, for what like time frame you can do, or, or how uh, how uh, how comfortable you are with what what time frames are, are good for the for the episodes. Um, so it's it's kind of tailored to each individual host. Yeah. And did, did you have a question, sir? Yeah. Um, you mentioned like finding a niche. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about something that's like more random, like? How would that show up, you know, like to get followers? Like, if I just pick a random topic and talk about it for Okay, like a random, just not like a specific topic, just yeah, a, like anything random? Okay. Yeah, so with uh, his question was if there was any, like, uh, how I felt about, you know, putting a random topic out for each podcast. Um, yeah, you can definitely do that. I don't know, like I know with Obsessive Viewer, we're we're a movie and TV podcast, so we just are a very broad kind of thing. Like, well, one week we'll review a Netflix show, the next week we'll do a topic about um, presidents and movies and TV, and so it's kind of hard for like people to find that. But if you have something that's you, I mean, you can do random topics if it's like a current event thing or like, oh, this is something that's in the news or something. I think that that could gravitate to people. Or if it's like, hey, carburetors are funny, um, that could be good. Like, you can find like that perf, like you can find that perfect niche of people who are super into carburetors, and maybe they'll check out your other episodes and stuff. Um, that's what, that's what I would do because, or that's what I would uh, think because. It's funny because I will have people that are listening to it that are like, oh, I really like listening to you. And I'm like, that's that's so the opposite of what people at my call center job tell me on the phone, but cool. Um, like I got a message from someone in Michigan saying, hey, this your podcast is my favorite podcast. And um, I, me and my husband really like how not annoying your voice is. And I'm like, that is the biggest compliment I could get. That is so awesome. <laughs> Um, so you'll you'll find I'm I'm of the belief that you'll find people people will find you um, no matter what no matter what you're what you're posting. It also helps like kind of you know go to conventions if you can. Like we do um, uh, pan, uh, not panels, but we get booths at IndiePopCon, and, and we're always around the different conventions here. Um, but if that's not like in your in your in your topic range or anything, there's stuff like. Uh, like different message boards, different uh, subreddits, stuff like that. As long as you're not like spamming it all over the place. But um, but yeah, there. I'm of the belief that there is an audience out there for everyone, um, no matter what it is. If it's just there, uh, whenever like whenever I make a stupid joke on the podcast. I always think to myself, like, do I really want to put that out in the world? Do I do I really want that audio of me talking to my cat to be in the podcast? And then I think, you know what? There's, like, 7 billion people in the world. Chances are, like, there's going to be a couple that think it's as funny as I think it is. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Because I don't – I think that if people – I you want to attract the people that you are on the same wavelength with because you'll get more um, 
get more response and, and uh, you'll have a better time and a more enjoyable and fulfilling time, you know, uh, conversing with people that you literally would have never known existed had you not started a podcast. Like, I have people that um, email in from uh, New Mexico and a couple other states um, and, like, they're, like, every week they're sending an email saying, like, oh, hey, I really like this. And, like, I've gotten the habit of, like, this one guy, he'll email me, like, in the middle of the night after I release the episode. And I'm like, I don't know what this dude's schedule is, but it's it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, can I get... Uh, I'm a high school English teacher, and I came to the panel because I'm interested uh, in using podcasts as a way to convey information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to students who maybe have never done this before, they've listened to them mm-hmm. because they're way more advanced than I am. I'm on this. So um, what advice would you have for me to give to them? How would I go about maybe shepherding them into doing this? What's your opinion? Oh, that is that is awesome. I've never really thought about uh, podcasting as like a learning tool and everything, using it in the classroom. That's really cool. That's I, I would love that. That's creative. Um I would think, like, you can have applications for it, and you can get them to record. Like, everyone has a smartphone. Every smartphone has, like, a, a simple recording thing. Like, I've gone to, um, like, film festivals and stuff where I, like, say my battery on my, on my recorder dies. I'll just take out my phone and be like, hey, talk to me into this microphone or into this phone, um, which might be kind of kind of hard for people like I know it might be hard for teenagers to think like why would I talk into my smartphone but um, <laughs> because no one uses the phone anymore but um, but yeah I would think like um, that would be a really cool like learning tool to have like for um, either from a teacher's perspective like releasing like if you wanted to like record like a um, a summary or something and like release like give the audio files to them to listen to or have them um, like do like peer reviews and stuff like that. I think that that would be a really cool, a really cool outlet for a really, really creative way to do that. Um, yeah. Did you have any? Uh, uh, did I answer your question? <laughs> I, I, I just, I just literally had this idea like a few days ago. Okay. So it's just so kind of perfectly. I just sure. don't know what. And most of the kids would probably be doing it solo because you know if they work together, sure. A lot of work is done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, especially for, like, a topic like English. I know that some kids may, I mean, from my memory of being in school, I feel like some kids may get kind of, uh, get kind of bogged down with, like, like English, like, if you're teaching, like, grammar and stuff like that, like, on the page, like, thinking, like, okay, which word is the, which word is the operative word? Which is, which is whatever, whatever. Um, maybe having them speak it and, like, actually say, like, verbally say it into a microphone could be a better way to, or an easy not better way, but like an easy way to kind of bridge that gap there. That would be really interesting, right? Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. The, yeah, you? Yeah, I was just wondering how you boost your audience and subscribe to downloads and all that. 
That is a great question, how I boost my listeners and everything. Anthology actually has, like, probably between two to three times as many listeners as Obsessive Viewer, <laughs> even though it's only been out for... It's, Obsessive Viewer was out for a few years before it. Um, and I think the reason is it's mostly due to um, networking with other podcasters. Um, when you have a specific niche or a specific topic for a podcast... Either you're going to contact other podcasters or they're going to contact you. And that's a great way to network. Like, I've met people who um, have podcasts all over the world who we will sit there and we'll just swap. Like, we'll talk shop and everything. And then that's a great way to get, like, uh, to get onto their their uh, onto their shows or have them on onto yours for special episodes. Also, like, every... Every niche, every every topic, everything has a corner of the internet, and it's really a great way to go. As long as you don't, as long as you're genuine and you're not showing up saying like, "Hey, listen to my podcast." Um, sometimes I'll have like a signature or something like in a message board and just say like, "Oh, just just the link to it," um, but I'll have everything be on topic and everything. But yeah, in terms of boosting like listenership and everything. I think with certain niches and every, like with the Twilight Zone in particular, like those those fans that fans of the specific topics that are you're talking about, they spend a lot of their time talking to other fans, or they they will promote it on social media or something. And as far as social media is concerned, it is also pretty hard to um, go through go through that kind of on on your own by yourself because you don't have like. You know, if you're, you don't have a co-host who works at a different shift, so he'd be like he'd be home when you're when you're at work. So if he, a tweet comes in or something, he can respond to it. So it's kind of it's if you, I mean, this is a good problem to have, but if you're bogged down and everything, it could be hard to keep keep up. So it's best to keep a perspective on it. So like, if you want to say, okay, I'll post a I'll post a Twilight Zone related picture on Instagram every other day or I'll I'll post a funny a funny thing that I thought about for the podcast on this day. Um, it's kind of hard to keep up with all that. But one thing if you're kind of using social media, um, there's an app called Buffer that you sign in with Twitter and everything. You can schedule tweets up to I think ten tweets at a time to different times. So sometimes I'll like feel like, oh hey, Twilight Zone and then I'll have a tweet that goes out like in in the middle of the next day and stuff like that, um, and as long as you're active and you're in, you're consistent with it, it will. I'm of the thought that if you're consistent with your show, the obsessive viewer not standing right now because Tiny just bought a house, so we've been kind of a little touch and go there. And I'm also on hiatus from anthology, but I'm, if you're consistent with your releases and your content, um, people that are listening will continue listening, and they'll reach out to people who will uh, also like to listen. The, yeah. I've heard on several different podcasts about professional managers and how they don't get into it for the money, which I'm not. <laughs> but you know, money is kind of important to survive. Period. Oh yeah. So as far as like merchandising, I've heard a few. Uh, they might have little things they give out and all that stuff. But at what point would we would want to start merchandising? Start putting out that because it helps people not only buy your material, but people sure. can get what you just didn't know and stuff. Sure. So, a good tipping off point for starting merchandising or, or getting 
getting money kind of in, like putting out a call to action. I know that recently with uh, with Obsessive Viewer and Anthology, because I I basically set up a, a separate checking account uh, specifically for podcasts. So I have all the fees for the for the website and the uh, Libsyn fees. By the way, I use Libsyn for uh, my host for uh, both podcasts. It's a great like we've had it for three years. I've never had a problem with almost four years, and we've never had a problem with it. Uh, it's great, but I have a separate separate checking account, so. Um, I've always been hesitant about asking for money um, and asking for donations and, and everything, um, but we eventually bit the bullet and we started a Patreon, and Patreon is, is really great for podcasters in general, because if you have listeners and you have an audience, um, they'll want to, uh, you know, be your Patreon subscriber and, uh, and pay you money, and if you have, like, merchandising, there's... Um, oh, I can't remember the site. I think it's is it Teespring. Uh, you can have like uh, logo designs for your for your show, and they can have campaigns where um, where you can basically uh, put out say hey uh, if I make if I if people order like twenty or so shirts I you'll get shipped out to everyone. Um, but I, I would think that a good kind of tipping off point, a good a good idea for for when to start that is a little bit after and then. Again, this is my own personal opinion. Your knowledge may vary, but um, is once you've established yourself a little bit and, and proven that you are, once you have some shows under your belt, because like I actually with anthology, um, after about five episodes, I uh, took a seven-month hiatus, which I don't recommend doing um, at all. Um, it was just I got bogged down with with uh, with work and everything, and it was just it was not a good time to launch a podcast at that time. So um, I basically got to a point where I was like, I'm going to relaunch it eventually, but it's going to be at a time where I can really commit to it. So I eventually did it seven months later, and uh, I really stuck with it, and it, it's it's rewarding to me because that's when I kind of noticed that that's when I was getting more, obviously that's when I was getting more listeners and everything because I was putting out content, but it was also like that's when I was getting more interaction. And once that interaction comes in, um, that's kind of when you kind of get the sense that maybe I can grow this into something more, um, something more than than what it is now. Um, Because I feel like it's, I feel like with solo podcasts, there is this connection with the audience that's a little bit different from um, having a multi-host podcast. So it, if you're listening to a podcast with two or three hosts, you're getting a sense of their chemistry and their their um, their chemistry and how, how they interact and everything. It can kind of feel like a fly on the wall kind of thing. But with a solo podcast, there's a more personal connection with the audience because that audience is you're talking to them and um, I found that we've gotten a lot I've gotten a lot more emails about anthology just because I'm putting this information out there and I feel like maybe maybe they feel a little sorry for me because I don't have anyone to play off of but I mean they'll respond and say like oh yeah I really liked what you said about this I had this thought when I did this Um, and once you get that like it gets a little bit easier to Hit them up for money. Um, <laughs> um, not that I do. I just and, and I'm always weird about it. So I'm always like, hey, if you want to donate to the podcast or help support us, go to Patreon.com/slash/ObsessiveViewer. Money will go. Like I have different tiers for Anthology and for Obsessive Viewer. Also, a PayPal link is, is great. So, um, and I would also recommend like 
Um, and this goes back to the to that other gentleman's question about growing your audience. If you're if there's like a convention or a group gathering for your topic, um, or just podcasting in general, like Indie PopCon, Indiana Comic Con, uh, the different nerd culture conventions around here, a lot of them are like they have like good resources for podcasters. Um, and it's a great networking opportunity as well. It's a great way to kind of get to know the other podcasters in your area and kind of swap notes and everything. And it's a great way to kind of grow your brand. Um, also, stickers are always awesome. Um, and business cards, which I do have business cards if you guys want any. But, um, but yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's uh, another way to kind of grow your audience and everything. Yep. Okay, like what, uh, for resources to learn about it and everything? Okay, yeah, great question. So what, like, for someone starting a podcast, like, what would be a good website or, or what, what are some good resources to learn about it and everything? Um, the subreddit, if you guys if you guys use Reddit at all, the podcasts subreddit is a great resource um, for just information for anything about podcasting. I learned pretty much everything I know about podcasting from them. Um, it just... It, You'll find like uh, uh, let's see, uh, there's a uh, there's a bunch of different like podcast centric podcasts. Um, I think one's called like Podcast Helper, um, but it, there are podcasts specifically about the intricacies of podcasting and everything. And there's really great resources online for to just learn like the ins and outs of starting a podcast. And one of the it depends on your learning style and everything. So I'm kind of of the of the thought that. Um, <laughs> Not like I kind of learn as I go, so I'll just put something out there, and then if I did something wrong, I'll, I'll learn um, as I get more into it and everything. But um, yeah, there are tons of like podcasting uh, uh, sites and everything um, that that are really great resources for beginners and, and to learn the ins and outs. Because I never th- like when when I first started podcasting, the first ever podcast that I uh, recorded was back in June of 2013 with, with Tiny and our friend Greg uh, for the first episode of Obsessive Viewer. Um, Greg had, like, he's a local podcaster himself. He had he had a mixer, he had microphones, he had all the stuff hooked up and everything, and all I thought was, I'm never going to know what any of this means. Like, this is going to be so over my head. And uh, turns out that he had no idea what he was doing either. <laughs> so he told me that like a month later, or no, like a year or so later, and that was uh, that was great because it would have freaked me out if he would have told me there. But um, it's a learning experience. It's something that you learn from uh, from doing and also from resources online. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> You're good. So you were on a podcast. What's it like, or where did you from to start something? Like another podcast channel that's separate from what you've already been, and then you continue just on the first one, you continue to separate. Um, yeah. So uh, the question was how I got the idea, or, or how I maintain both of them at the same time as well. Sure. Contain more than one media. Sure, absolutely. So with Obsessive Viewer, like to be completely honest, guys. One of the reasons why I started the anthology was to try to get more listeners to Obsessive Viewer. So every episode of anthology, I have like a short clip from a recent episode of Obsessive Viewer, um, kind of in between each one. Um, I mean, it's worked a little bit, but um, I'm getting more interested in, in anthology as well. But it's kind of becoming its own beast. 
but the, I kind of view it as kind of branding. So with since it's since they're somewhat similar, one's a movie and TV podcast. One is specifically about a TV show. Um, I kind of present it as um, this is uh, anthology presented by ObsessiveViewer.com, even though it has its own URL and, and the logos uh, don't really match up that much. Because um, I got a, a great deal on, on a logo for anthology and I couldn't pass it up. But with uh, as far as that, I would see it as kind of a branding thing. Um, because when you're podcasting, it's really like your brand is is for me. It's like it's like your it's your personality. It's you, it's what you're putting into it. The the for lack of a better word, the performance of the of the podcast. That's your brand. That's that's what you're bringing to the table as well as the content for whatever subject you're covering. Um, so if people like listening to listening to your one show and then uh, you branch off and do another one, they could follow you over there, and it's just because it's an extension of your brand. And uh, in terms of keeping it going at the same time, it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big juggling act. It's, it's pretty, it can be pretty difficult, especially if, like, I mean, it's not too difficult if you don't have much going on in your personal life. <laughs> but if things come up, it's it's uh, kind of hard to do that. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks for me is just I am a procrastinator by by my nature. Like I will um, I will kind of wait <laughs> until the last minute to do something. So one of the issues that I have that I've experienced is with a solo podcast, you don't have, like, a co-host to kind of keep you accountable. So, like, there are times with, um, I may have mentioned this earlier, there are times where uh, Tiny will be coming over to record Obsessive Viewer, and I'll just be like, okay, I don't really feel like recording tonight, but he's coming over, so, so I'll push through and do it. I mean, if I tell myself, I'm going to record Anthology tonight, it's like, hmm. This video game needs to be done tonight. Um, it, it's easy to kind of let that slip by. So that's that's one of the big issues that I've had is that kind of making sure that you can sit down and, and do it. And sometimes, like I said, with like if you get a neg- negative review or or some critis- uh, criticism here and there, it's easy to kind of think like like let that blow up and uh, out of proportion and think like well am I really doing as best as I can am I really doing like am I really doing this for for the real re- for uh, for the right reasons and everything and what I found is that if you and again this is probably just how my brain works if uh, I mean if you if you experience that I found that like when you go back to it when you go back into it and get into your routine and this goes back to being consistent with it as consistent with it as possible like you'll grow to just to just love doing it like it's it's it, you kind of get a little bit of a high from it just just sitting down recording it knowing that you're putting out a product that people are um, hopefully listening to and enjoying and that more people are going to find down the road like I it kind of blows my mind to think like, okay, I'll I'll get an email about an episode of the Twilight Zone or uh, an episode of Anthology from like last year that I'll have to think like it, they'll talk about like a very specific point that I made or a joke that I made or something, and then I'll be like, wait, I don't even remember the context for this. It's just weird that it's like it's out there and it's it's something that people will find. Um, yeah. yeah. I only do audio podcasts. Um, got a face for face for audio podcasts. Um, <laughs> no, um, I only do audio podcasts just because I feel like doing video is uh, 
it would be a little bit more for, for two podcasts to do uh, concurrently. Um, it'd be a little bit more work. I know that it's getting a lot easier to just stream stuff. I've been streaming this entire panel on uh, the Anthology uh, Facebook page. Um, Facebook Live is a great resource to just kind of have it going there. Um, you can also set up like a Twitch thing or, or uh, YouTube. And I think you can do like a live YouTube broadcast as well. Like you can do that as as you're recording it. I mean, they'll get like your your mumbles and, and your things there. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, like you can you can also kind of manage that that way. And I know that um, for for Tiny's. Uh, Side project podcast he has called the Secular Perspective. He does. Uh, he and his friend, er, he and our friend Chad and Amanda, they do uh, lo- uh, YouTube videos of, it, and they'll release that kind of ahead of the of the audio, um, the finished audio product and everything um, on YouTube. And so it's, it's kind of, and that's another way that you can get more audience because a lot of people go to YouTube for for things. Um, to have a video component is, is a good, uh, a strong way to do it. And it's getting easier to do it. I know that Twitch, YouTube, and, and Facebook Live are, are good uh, resources for that. Yeah. How long does it take you to edit an episode? Yeah, how long it takes me to edit an episode? That's, uh, that's, that's a tough question. Last night I edited an episode of my our main podcast, Obsessive Viewer, that took me until like 4 a.m., um, just because it was like, it was like a two and a half hour recording, but anyway, um, with the anthology, it's it's a lot easier than uh, you would think because it's just one person on the mic and it's easy to to cut out. Um, I'll have little tricks here and there that I'll when I'm recording it, uh, I'll just know when to where to edit the edit spaces and everything. Um, I listen to every episode from beginning to end when editing because I'm. I'm, uh, I've tried like putting like timestamps like on a notepad and everything. I just felt like that's I'm not great at multitasking, so I feel like that it would just distract me from talking on it. So I would say on average, from recording, it takes me about probably an hour, um, an hour, maybe an hour ten minutes to record the episode, and then it takes me probably twenty minutes to get it prepped for editing. And then um, the rule of thumb is. Um, one uh, one and a half minute for every minute of audio, so it would take me maybe an hour and a half uh, to an hour and forty five minutes to edit it and, and get it prepped and everything. Um, so it's it's a bit of a time commitment if you, if you really uh, uh, put it on paper there, but it's it's really rewarding. I don't know if this is a narcissistic thing or not, but I just really. It's, I get like really into the editing phase of it because it, I mean it's it's making me sound better <laughs> than than what I do normally, um, and so it's just it's a really uh, fun way to, to kind of um, feel like I'm being an extension of my creative out, output is is being I'm it's a creative uh, output for me to to do the podcast and to edit it and everything and it's really great to have this uh, hobby that I just kind of put through there. Yep. Do you use or what kind of emphasis would you put on like a uniform intro and outro? Oh, that's a good question. A uniform intro and outro, I have um, I have an intro and outro that I do. So when I ha- open my Studio One um, program, I basically um, I have a template for uh, anthology episodes. So it's kind of just it's a it's a file that I open that has the opening and closing. Um, I'm kind of a big 
believer of, of having an opening intro track. Um, basically, for anthology, I just put a um, I just put a uh, the uh, uh, the theme song to the Twilight Zone underneath me doing a really terrible Rod Serling impression. Um, just saying that, like a variation of the opening opening segment that's promoting, like saying this is. Uh, this is anthology presented by uh, obsessiveviewer.com, and uh, it's just—it's really easy if you have that template file open because you can just plug in on a separate track. You can plug in the uh, the recording and then and then edit it from there, and so you don't have to put like a bumper on it and everything. Yeah, and then I don't have a watch. Okay, yeah, I think we're about out of time here. <laughs> I just realized it's uh, 7.29. So, uh, yeah, so I do have business cards here for Anthology, and um, I'll be out back there um, once I get all my stuff. So if you want to talk to me more, I'm out there. Thank you guys so much for coming, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> all right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that, and... Uh, yeah, again, if you if you were in the audience and you listen to the episode now, uh, thank you so much for for coming. Uh, shoot me a message or something with your uh, with your podcast if you or if you have more questions or anything, um, because like I, I had a lot of people in the audience saying that they like had a podcast or they they were starting a podcast and I didn't I, like every anytime someone asks me that or anyone anytime someone says that my I want to ask them about it and everything, but I didn't want to take up time for the panel. So I didn't get a chance to ask any of the questions, uh, that I wanted to ask them. So if you're listening to this after being at the panel and you have a podcast, let me know. And I'd be happy to, you know, throw it, throw it out there on social media as well. But, uh, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. And if you enjoyed this, you can always support the podcast by, uh, leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Um, and if you're in a particularly giving mood, you can, uh, donate on, uh, the donate link on anthologypod.com or uh, become a patre- uh, Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I do have reward tiers specifically for anthology listeners. Uh, so go check that out. And uh, yeah, here in the few days, you're, you'll hear my uh, review of King Nine Will Not Return, uh, which is season two's season premiere of The Twilight Zone. And uh, starring Robert Cummings. And uh, yeah, you'll hear my review. My bonus review for that will be Bomber's Moon, which is an episode of Playhouse 90 written by Rod Serling that aired in May of 1958 and also starred Bob Cummings. And uh, that is available in its entirety on YouTube. I will post a link in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For more of Anthology and a full archive of my episodes, go to AnthologyPod.com. And if you want to help support the show, the easiest way you can do that is by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also make donations to the show courtesy of the donate link in the show notes of each episode and on AnthologyPod.com. For recurring donations, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and just choose one of the anthology reward tiers. 
If you enjoy Anthology, feel free to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friend Tiny and occasional guest co-hosts over at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also join The Obsessive Viewer Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. For book reviews and commentary on the world of reading, check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com. And for philosophical discussions from a secular viewpoint, check out my friends Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Finally, if you'd like to contact me with your thoughts on the show, my reviews, my bonus reviews, or for any other reason, you can tweet me at obsessiveviewer, send me an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com, or send me a message on Facebook and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.